Welcome to the Let's Talk About Love, Sex, and Infidelity podcast with your host, Todd Krieger. Todd has over 35 years of experience working with thousands of couples as a licensed therapist in his private practice. Todd shares his insights on this show. It's never too early to divorce-proof your marriage or too late to heal yourselves and have the relationship you truly want. Hello, everybody. This is Todd Krieger. You know, what I do uh, mostly is I work with couples to help them rekindle passion as well as heal from infidelity. And I also work with individuals to help them heal from trauma. I often use a process called EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Now, when I'm working with couples or individuals, one of the biggest challenges is anxiety. Uh, I think that we, you know, first of all, fear is a human emotion. It's universal. And fear is typically what we would call when there's something immediate happening. Anxiety could be more like just um, a sense of something bad happening and it stays with us. But um, anxiety and the inability to soothe our anxiety, whether we're uh, in a relationship or not, can create problems in our life. So today I'm wanting to talk to you about three common beliefs that oftentimes can cause anxiety and you know what to do about those beliefs so what i wanted to tell you is that um, first of all i want to talk about something that i learned years ago and it made a lot of sense something called a program and a program is a underlying belief along with a set of instructions so for example a person might say I am not enough, which is one of the three beliefs, by the way, that cause anxiety, and I'm going to get more into that. So the underlying belief is I'm not enough. The program is the underlying belief and the set of directions. So it's I'm not enough, so I'm going to constantly try to be perfect. I'm going to try to always be pleasing to others and never make waves. Because that would be an example of a program. And so... A person can live their whole life out with this program, but what we really want to do is address and change the underlying belief. So I am not enough is basically just not true. Now, maybe I need to become better skilled. So for example, if I want to play on a softball team and I've played maybe as a kid. I'm telling you a personal story here, guys. And uh, as an adult, I join a softball team, and I'm uh, I have anxiety because I don't want to play badly. I mean, some of that's kind of normal, but sometimes when you check a little deeper, like I did, you discover that there's a party that says I'm not enough, so I have to make no errors and be perfect. So what I did in my playing softball is one of the goals I had was to become a better softball player. Good idea, you know, practice. Okay, but here was the other one. The second thing was to let go of this idea that I'm not enough. Because I am enough whether I play well or I don't play well. Because if I'm going around life feeling like I'm not enough, well, then life becomes a constant proving ground that I am enough. Everybody I meet becomes a proving ground. I need to get your gain your acceptance, your approval. I need to 
win the game. I need to, in my case, uh, not make an error. And then, and only then, I would be good enough, right? Conditional. That's what we call it about conditional acceptance. So what I did with the softball personally is I practiced radical self-acceptance. A radical self-acceptance is, even though I prefer to play well, that I am going to look at playing well as something I could celebrate. And if I have a bad game, it's an opportunity to realize I'm still enough and to practice recognizing that the conditional acceptance, this program, is really just a story that I was telling myself. And a lot of us, uh, you know, we learned this in childhood for a variety of reasons. And I'll go deeper into this. Uh, but for this, I really would just want to cover these three common beliefs. The first of which is I'm not enough. So like I say, I'm not enough oftentimes leads to looking at everybody in your life as a proving ground. Now, how that sometimes takes place in relationships is if I'm constantly underlying, have this belief of I'm not enough, I can be a, a very anxious communicator. If my wife has any negative feedback towards me whatsoever, I might get reactive and defensive rather than, well, I'm enough and my partner's upset right now. It gives me the freedom to listen better. So uh, this kind of thing comes up in my couples work a lot. Uh, when people are oftentimes anxious around each other, uh, anticipating that you're going to tell me that I did something wrong, which means I'm not enough. But what if life is about sometimes making an error and sometimes playing well, sometimes getting an erection and sometimes not. Think of all the men that come to see me with sexual issues and they're, they're anxious performers. Like, I'm enough. And my enoughness does not depend upon whether I have a certain outcome or not, whether I gain your acceptance or not, whether I make an error or not. So as I worked on my, uh, my, negative, uh, my, my negative belief that causes, caused a lot of anxiety, I, I relaxed more and I enjoyed the game. And yes, I played better too. Because you do oftentimes play better, especially with sports, but many, many things when you're more relaxed. So that's number one. I'm not enough. Another common belief, negative belief, that causes anxiety is I need to be in control. Now, if you come from a family where other people weren't in control, where they just couldn't handle life very well, or you had an alcoholic parent or something like that, and I'll go, and I'll go deeper into it in future videos, that oftentimes there is a false belief based on a true experience. I mean, the history was that you probably did feel like you needed to be in control. It was the only way you felt safe. But the false belief is that you got to continue to be in control for the rest of your life. The truth is that there are many things that we're not in control over and that uh, we need to recognize and accept that we're not in control. Um, the pr a program for that would be, I need to be in control so that I will be hypervigilant, I will manage other people, and I will never let myself goof off. You know, when you goof off, right, when you slow down to take care of yourself, oftentimes it's as if you've dropped your agenda of control. And for people that need to be in control, they have a very hard time dropping that agenda and just resting or meditating or playing, guilt-free playing. Because there's this idea, unconsciously typically, that if I stop, my family's going to come apart, my world's going to come apart. 
And there's reasons people feel that way because, again, usually family background, past history, past trauma of relationships, those things. But we need to become aware of this false thing. I need to be in control so I can never let down. I can never let my hair down, you know, all this hair I have. But I could never, I could never, uh, like I said, play, rest, meditate, get a really good night's sleep. Because if I do, I won't get enough done. So those are the kinds of things. Like I always need to be in control. So again, I want to say this is that you're going to have to recognize life as life is. And life as life is, is that there are things that you are in control over. And there's many things you're not. We are dependent on the air that we breathe, on the doctors that give us treatment, on the scientists that came up with the vaccine for COVID-19, on just about anything. The, the people at the uh, Southern Cal Edison, where I live, that gives us electricity, you know, they, I depend on them. We depend. We're not in control. So we need to do the things that we can. And then practice dropping our agenda and resting. The other thing I have people do that have this belief of I need to be in control is actually have them learn how to be receivers. I learn, I teach them to practice enduring the temporary anxiety of the, the fear is like everything's going to come apart if I'm not in control. See, so in a way, the person who needs to be in control is trying to prevent anxiety, but in the, in the process of trying to prevent anxiety, they're creating a lot of anxiety. It's kind of paradoxical because to be always feeling like you're in control in a world when you're not, it's very stressful. So we do need to learn how to stop and rest. So one of the things I might do is have a person lay their head down on their partner's lap and let themselves be the receivers of touch as the, the, the partner touches their face. Oftentimes, when I have the person who always felt like they needed to be in control, they just slow down and receive, they notice how much they're resisting touch and resisting receiving. But it's a good process of practicing, developing what I call that receiving muscle. So uh, the third common belief, it's related to the second, but it's a little different in terms of it's, I need to be prepared at all times. Now, is it good to be prepared for, let's say, an earthquake? Yes. I mean, we could have uh, cans of, of, of whatever we have, or we could have extra water around. But at the same time, we can't be living preparing for the worst. We could prepare, if we can, for the worst. Look, I have life insurance, uh, quite a bit of life insurance for my wife that I think I'm wasting money. I hope I am. I hope I waste a lot of money on it because I really don't plan on dying anytime soon. But I prepared for that. So now that I pay it, but that's it. I'm surely not preparing to die. I don't, the last, there's an expression, let's say, the coward dies a thousand deaths, the brave one dies just once. And, you know, obviously I'm not just talking about death. I'm talking about any kind of fear of loss that we could anticipate it, we could be prepared for it. It tends to make us hold back living. It tends to make us hold back taking important risks, like to be in another relationship or to go for that higher promotional job. So you can make more money, but you might fail. You know, but those are the kinds of things 
that we need to do, we need to recognize that this underlying belief is I need to be prepared at all, at all times. I guess an underlying belief behind that belief is that I can't handle failing or I can't handle if things go badly. And so since I can't handle, see, I'm thinking about this as I do this, the underlying belief is I won't be able to handle failure. Oh, really? Let's challenge that. Sometimes we've got to challenge these beliefs and these programs. Because if I feel like I'm not going to be able to handle it, then I need to be prepared all the time for any catastrophe. But if I know I can handle it, if I know uh, that whatever happens, I'll, I could deal with it, then I could let the future come to me when it comes, but I don't have to prepare for the future. Sure, if I'm going on a future vacation, I need to prepare, uh, I, I need to pack, but mentally I don't have to uh, keep on going. You know, I might need to think about what I need, sure, but we don't need to overthink things. We don't need to over-prepare things because now it's a matter of just doing what we got to do and getting on the plane and going on a vacation. And if things work out just the way you want, congratulations. And if they don't, congratulations too, because you'll have a chance to handle it. So it's really important to practice becoming aware of these programs and recognize that it's just a stance. It's not, you do have choice in it. You can choose to challenge it. And again, in all of these things, I'm not enough. I need to be in control. I, I need to be prepared at all times, which may underlyingly be actually, I won't be able to handle if things don't go my way or the right way. Okay, but in all those things, we need to recognize that they're there to protect us, but they actually keep us anxious. So in a way, in order to alleviate anxiety, you have to be willing to stop protecting yourself so much in all of these aspects. You know, that's the common theme in all of them. I need to protect myself. Well, sometimes, but most of the time you don't. Most of the time, it's important to actually drop your self-protection. Self-protection is what creates deadened, stale relationships. Protecting ourselves, again, will hold us back from trying something new and feeling more alive and learning that we can handle things, that we can fail and then pick ourselves up and succeed again, that it's not that big of a deal. So the way to feel less anxiety, paradoxically, is to practice letting go of all this extra self-protection, this extra armor, and dropping our defenses and being open to life as it is. In a sense, being more vulnerable softening our armor. And again, I'll talk about this in more specific detail, but in this one, I just want you to recognize any and see if any of these resonate with you and recognize how much these self-protective beliefs really are what cause anxiety. And that life is not meant to be so self-protective. That on some level, we need to know that we're enough no matter what. On some level, we need to know that we're not in control and that is okay. We need to depend on other people. And somehow we need to know that we don't all have to be always prepared for the worst and we will be able to handle whatever happens. So that's all I want to say about that right now. I'll be talking more about anxiety in future, um, in future talks. And this is Todd Krieger, making the world safe for love. 
Thank you for tuning and listening to today's episode of Let's Talk About Love, Sex, and Infidelity podcast with your host, Todd Krieger. Please leave a review, subscribe to the show, and be sure to visit www.toddkrieger.com for more resources that will help you get the love you want and for back episodes of the show. 